Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. And you know, actually, eternity has already begun, as far as I'm concerned, because Jesus told us that if we believe in him, we should never die. Of course, we die the death of the flesh, but not the death of the spirit, not the death of the soul. And we've begun worshiping him already. And we'll worship him throughout eternity. Praise God. Why don't we stand and we're going to look to the word of the Lord. If you don't enjoy worshiping the Lord, then you have not yet really found your true purpose in life, your true meaning. Worship has a lot of styles. It has a lot of ways. There are a lot of means through which we can worship God but one thing is for sure when we get to heaven and I plan on going to heaven I said I'm going I'm going by the grace of God I'm going and when I get there amen I want to find Jesus even if I'm way way back on the back row as long as I can just see him and get a glimpse of him. Think about it. The one who laid his life down for us. The great God manifested in the flesh. The one who poured out his blood so that we could be saved. So that we wouldn't suffer the penalty of our sin. Amen. I, I don't know what I'm going to say. I, I, I don't really know how I'm going to feel. I know for sure that if I was in this corruptible body it would explode so thank God we're going to have glorified bodies brother Tom hallelujah amen we're going to have glorified bodies we'll be able to praise him like we've never praised him we'll be able to worship him like we've never worshipped him before amen and I want to make it I want to make it and I don't want anyone in this room to be lost I don't want anyone in this room today to not make heaven your eternal abode someday and that's part of the reason why we're here today. It's not the only reason, but it's the greatest reason because the church means nothing if it's not helping people to be what God wants them to be in this life and be ready for the coming of the Lord when the trumpet sounds. Praise God. And I believe that His coming is imminent. His coming is near. Amen. I want to direct your attention to the book of Psalms, the 121st Psalm. And I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My Greatest phobia is claustrophobia. I developed claustrophobia while I was in a small six-seater, single-engine plane in a thunderstorm over Kansas in 1977. I didn't have claustrophobia before that. I was in the back seat. It was pitch black. 
You looked out the window, you couldn't see anything. That plane was pitching and swerving, and, and I've always been prone to motion sickness. And uh, so someone said, they said, Stan, you're looking green under the gills. If you'll raise your hands, it'll retard the uh, urgency that you're feeling to do what you think you need to do. I thought, boy, I'm ready to try anything. I raised my hands, not in worship, but in sheer terror. And uh, let's just say that it, di it didn't work. Since that time to this time, I have to deal with claustrophobia and being in small places. And my greatest fear to this day is to be in an elevator and get trapped between floors. And that happened to me the last time we were in India. On my last elevator ride down, they had a brownout, which means that the electricity just goes out. And it was hot, stuffy, and for the next, what seemed like three days, it was really only about 30 seconds, but that elevator stopped. And I thought, oh, God. And if you don't deal with claustrophobia, you won't relate to any of this, but I got to thinking, what can I do? This was a small elevator. It, it was just maybe four feet by five feet. And I, I was about ready to sit down. I thought, if I'll sit down, it'll make it feel like it's bigger, and then I'll just take it from there. And about that time, the power came back on, and, and I was able to make it to the ground floor where the Godises and the O'Neills and the Therese's were smiling because they knew the problem that I was in. But thank God we made it out. Now, I said all that to say this. Whatever your greatest fear is, drowning, small places, whatever it is, and let's say you're there. That's a horrible thought. What would you do if you were in a situation like that? I'll tell you what I was about ready to do in that elevator. I was about ready to say, help! And I wasn't about to be ashamed of it either. So on the count of three, you put yourself in your worst situation, and I want you to yell help like you would if you really needed some. Ready? One, two, three. That's pretty loud. And my message today is there's help in this house today. Amen. There is help. We live in a world that needs a lot of help. People need a lot of help. You go to the bookstore and about the biggest section there is is self-help. <laughs> I don't know about you, but self-help doesn't help me a whole lot. Amen. It gets me in a lot of messes. But I know where my help comes from. David said, I will lift my eyes to the hills because that's where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. Amen. And I'm just going to read this to you. You don't have to turn there. You can if you want. But Judges 5.23, the Lord said, Curse me, Rose, said the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants bitterly. Why is God cursing the city of me, Rose? It's very simple. Because they did not come to the help of the Lord. They did not come to the help of the Lord, to help 
to the help of the Lord against the mighty. So there's help in the house today. I know that there's help from God, and I'm assuming that God has some help here today too. Amen? Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord because he's worthy of all of our praise. Lord, we bless you with our hands. We bless you with our mouths. We bless you with our hearts, with our spirit. We praise your mighty name. I praise you. I worship you, Lord. We lift our eyes to the hills where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. And I need your help, Lord, to preach this word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Everybody at some point in their life is going to need help. Everybody. In fact, early on in life, we need a whole lot of help or we just won't make it. When I was less than three years old, I found myself on a Sunday morning underneath a couch. One of my sisters, Pam or Pat, I'm not sure, had, uh, was probably told to clean up the living room and rather than clean it up, they just shoved a bunch of junk under the couch. And that's where I was and they had these little jacks you know, the little ball and the little jacks. They were underneath the couch, and somehow I decided I wanted to put one of those jacks in my mouth, which I did. And my dad was in the bathroom shaving, and my mother heard me begin to cough and to gag. And she said, Wendell, quick, get Stan. He's under the couch. And so dad came running with shaving cream and all, and my two little feet were sticking out under the couch. He reached down there, pulled me out from under the couch, ran me over to the bathroom, saw that I was choking, and held me up over the toilet. He was getting ready to do surgery. And he reached his long finger down my throat and got a hold of that jack, and he saved my life, and he was my hero ever since. But thank God that somebody heard my gargling desperate cry for help there are some people that are just good at helping they have a helping spirit and the scripture identifies it and calls those people possessors of the gift of helps these people are usually not what we call born leaders or they don't desire high-profile places they're not out in front type people but they do have a gift and they do have a purpose and, and they are fulfilled when they come alongside others who are involved in projects and they help them and they assist them to reach their goal or their vision. The gift of helps is the gift of God because helping is the nature of God. God loves to help. Amen. God loves to help us. He truly does. It's in his very nature that he helps us. And God knows we need a lot of help. From the very first man when God made a help me for him. Her name was Eve. God has been in the business of helping us. The psalmist said, and we read it, I will lift up my eyes to the hills where my help comes from my help comes from the Lord the God who made heaven and earth I almost asked brother Larmy to have somebody sing today my help my help 
my help, all of my help cometh from the Lord. Lift up thy hand, or whatever it is. Amen. It's scriptural. It's the Word of God. We don't know exactly what David was referring to when he said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. But the most logical meaning of this phrase is that the hills David referred to was actually the hill Mount Zion. On Mount Zion, there was 24 hours of worship, singing, praise, dancing, giving glory to God. It was 24 hours a day. You know when you drive by Krispy Kreme and the hot sign's on and you want to run in there? Amen. Am I really preaching right now? Praise God. Well, I tell you what, on Mount Zion, the hot sign was always on. Amen. People were coming there 24 hours a day. It was constantly people walking through, people staying people singing, the orchestra would be playing, and the the Levites would be ministering, and the chorus would be lifted up, and people were exalting the Lord. Mount Zion was where the tabernacle of David was built. It was a place of, of worship that was before its time. This was the house of God to David. This is what David was referring to when he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. But I want to tell you that to David, the house of God was more than just a building. The house of God was more than just walls and furniture and a place to sit down and for a place for the scriptures to be read. But the house of God to David was the presence of God. The house of God to David was the presence of God. He talked about God's tabernacles, and he talked about the sanctuary, and he said, how amiable are thy tabernacles, O God. And he said that his spirit, yea, even his flesh, longed for the courts of the Lord. So when David talked about the courts, the tabernacle, the sanctuary, the house of God, it didn't matter. It all meant the same thing. He was saying, I know that I can get into the presence of God, and when I get there, that's where my help comes. When I get there, that's where my spirit is fed and my head is lifted up and I know where to look when I'm looking for help amen God has always been in the business of helping man but man has not always been in the business of helping God for every man that has ever helped God there are thousands who have never helped him and worse yet there are thousands more that have fought against him can you imagine fighting against God if you are God's helper today then you are in the vast minority is anybody here today God's helper raise your hand if you're God's helper amen I'm not talking about hamburger helper I'm talking about God's helper amen God's helper think about it amen if you are God's helper today, you're in the minority. But don't worry about that because 1 Samuel 14, 6 says, Nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. God doesn't need a lot of people on his side to win. God doesn't need the majority of people on his side to get the job done. All he needs is just one or two or three. Matter of fact, God in his word didn't say if I can get two or three thousand 
to agree with me as touching any one thing in my name it shall be done he didn't say if I can get two or three hundred or two or three dozen but he said if I can just get two or three oh if I can just get two or three to agree as touching any one thing in my name it shall be done so some have fought against God and some get discouraged because they feel like we are so few in number and then I'm sure that there are others who have thought, well, you know, I haven't helped God very much lately, if at any, and, but at least I haven't resisted him. At least I haven't fought against God. Well, let me tell you what Jesus said about people who think they can hide in their little safe zone of neutrality. Jesus handled that when he said, he that is not for me is against me. It's not enough to say, well, God, I didn't hurt you. Lord, I, maybe I didn't help you, but I didn't hurt you. I didn't get in your way, Lord. I wasn't a stumbling block to anybody. At least that's worth something. Jesus said, no, I'm going to flick you off the fence that you think you can ride. You're either for me or against me. You can't say, I'm not going to do anything with you. I'm just going to leave you alone. You can't do that when it comes to serving God and walking with him. Amen? So I want to talk to you today about the kingdom of God's mutual help system God is our help and believe it or not we can be God's help God is our help and we can be God's help now we understand full well the concept of God helping us even though that's a lesson that I have to learn over and over again probably no one else here does but don't you ever try to take the bull by the horns don't you ever try to work things out by yourself? Am I the only one that ever does that? Do you ever do something and then mess it up and say, Oh, God, where are you? Rather than, rather than getting God involved in the front end, in the beginning. Amen. That's why Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto us. So we understand the, the concept of God helping us, even though that's a lesson we have to learn over and over and over again. But I, I think we have even more trouble with the concept of us helping God. Me help God? You know, could I have helped George Brett to become a better baseball player? Could I help Pavarotti to be a greater singer? You know, how can you help God? How can you improve God? But the idea of helping God is not about improving him or making him better, but it's an idea of partnership, friendship, coming alongside God's plan and doing what you can to get involved with it, being on God's team. Now, I want to talk to you about God's side, God's team. David talked about being on God's side in Psalm 118.6. He said, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Amen. The Lord is on my side, David said. Now let me clear that up. If the Lord is on your side, it's because you happen to be on his side. Amen. We can't pick any team, any side we want to be on and say, the Lord is on my side. Right? We can't choose any mentality we want to. We can't choose any philosophy we want to and assume that the Lord is going to be on our side. If the Lord 
is on our side, it's only because we have chosen to get on his side. Anybody out there this afternoon? And I'm already doing a good job. I've only been preaching 10 minutes. Amen. Praise God. Amen. The Lord is on my side, David said. Does the person who helps you do, who, help, who does everything for you, is that help by definition? No. No, it's not really. You call up somebody and say, come over here. Would you help me cut my grass and then start up the... The, they start up the, the lawnmower and, and, and so they start going back and forth and you slip into the kitchen and pour you an iced tea and come out on the front porch and just kick back in the, lazy, in the lawn chair and watch them have them and you're having a good time. Is that really help? No, that, that's not help. Now we say that God doesn't need anybody to do what he wants to do, but that's simply not true. It's true that God doesn't need me, and it's true that God doesn't need you, but he does need somebody to accomplish his purpose. God does need help today. Jesus needed help carrying his cross up Calvary's hill. And Simon of Cyrene was summoned to come and help Jesus carry that cross. And God needs somebody. He needs somebody because he's not going to use angels to preach the gospel. Amen. God needs somebody because God is a spirit and spirits don't have flesh and blood. So he needs hands like your hands and he needs feet like your feet and he needs mouths like your mouth and he needs hearts like your heart that are willing to get involved in his business and his business is the redemption business because he came to seek and to save them which were lost. I want to know if there's any help in the house today. Come on, is there any help in the house today? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I got lost in my notes, and I gave you something earlier that I shouldn't have, but Psalm 121, 1, the text that we read, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. How would you define help? You don't define it by the person you asked to come and help you, you letting them do everything. That's not help, that's domination. No, that's not the definition of help. If the Lord is our help, then that means he's not going to do everything. Sister Kelly Joe Brown, isn't that what you told me a few weeks ago? The Lord had spoke to your heart? Amen. God's been talking to me through the saints from time to time. Been getting inspiration. Thank God for people that pray. You know, I, I've had it happen hundreds of times where someone will say, Pastor, I can't believe it. The scriptures you read is the scriptures God gave me this week. The things that you talked about is what God spoke to me about. Well, the shoe's been on the other foot here a couple of the last weeks. And God's been speaking to my heart. And, and I've been getting inspiration from, from people that have been praying and just little seed thoughts that I've been thinking about and studying and, and praying. And, and, and Sister Kelly mentioned this. She said, you know, by definition, help is simply help. That's powerful. Amen. Here's how God's help works. The Bible says the Lord is our help, but we must work with our hands. The Bible said the Lord is our keeper. 
But we must stay within the boundaries of his protection. The Lord is our guide, but we must keep putting one foot in front of the other and follow his guidance. Amen? The Lord is our shield, but we got to stay behind it or we're going to get hit. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. That's help. But it says where the righteous run in and are safe. A strong tower doesn't mean anything unless you're willing to run into it. Praise God. Amen. To run into it and be safe. You know the story of the widow woman who gave her last cake to the prophet in the time of drought and there was no food and she had baked a little cake and her and her son were going to eat it and and then they were going to die and the prophet came and said give me that cake and so she responded to the man of God and she gave him the cake and he ate it and then he prophesied to her and he said the Lord is going to help you this is my paraphrase he's going to take care of you and every day when she went to the little barrel, there was meal in it or a little flour. And when she went to the cruise or the little uh, container, there was oil every day. Listen, when she got up in the morning, there was not a cake prepared for her sitting on the table. But God did give her help. Praise God. He gave her the meal and he gave her the oil, but she had to go get it out of the barrel and out of the cruise and knead it together and put it in the oven, and that was help from God. God did only what he could do, and she did what she could do. But I want to tell you the rest of the story. The prophet said, it's only going to be there until the rain comes. You're only going to have just enough meal and just enough oil until the rain comes. And when the rain comes, uh, that's only what God can do. Then it's time for you to get back out in the field and to plant some more crops and to take care of your crops until they come up. Amen. God's going to do only what he can do. He's going to send the rain. He's going to send the sunshine. He's going to cause the miracle of the seed to germinate and to spring forth. And then you're going to have enough food in your cupboard to feed you and your son. Uh, amen. But you've got to do what you can do. And then God will do what he can do. And I don't know if I'm going to get any further than this right here. The Lord stirred up my heart today about this. I want to tell somebody here today, it seems like all you've got is just enough for today. Have you ever been there? Just enough for today. We know what it's like to abound. We know what it's like to be in plenty. Some of us know what it's like to spiritually abound. Paul said, I know how to abound. I know how to abase. He said, I know how to have plenty, and I know how to, how to be in want. And from time to time, that's the cycle of life. There are times when we have a little extra money. There are times when we feel a little bit extra encouraged. There are times when we feel extra blessed, like we've got enough to give to somebody else. And then there are times when we're just going to the barrel every day, and we're going to the cruise every day, and we look inside and we say, thank God. There's enough for one more cake today. Oh, and that's help from God. Listen, friend, you don't always have to abound. It's not always going to be going your way. 
It's not always going to be sunny and wonderful and, and, be, and, and, and be bountiful and, and just have more than what you need. There's going to be some days where you're going to have to be abased. There's going to be some days there's just barely going to be enough faith and there's barely going to be enough grace and there's barely going to be enough trust and there's barely going to be enough love to make it through the day. And when you lay your head down in the pillow at night, you say, oh God, please, when I get up tomorrow morning, I go back to the barrel and I go back to the cruise. I pray that there'll be enough there so that I can make it through one more day and I've got to tell you friend that when as we go into our relocation and this is all I'm going to say about it but as we go into our building fund into our building relocation our campaign I'm going to tell you the devil's going to throw everything he can at the life church even the kitchen sink brother Mahaney said if the devil will get involved in a church, it's when they get ready to go into a building program. Can I have a better witness? Yeah, when we wear our feelings on our sleeves and somebody don't like this color and we don't like how the pews are angled and we don't like how the lights are this and that and the curtain. Well, listen, somebody's going to have to make some decisions somewhere. Praise God. And we'll try to please as many people as we can. And we're going to have weather problems. And, and we're going to have subcontractor problems. And I know there's going to be all kinds of challenges. Listen, friend, what God is saying to the church as we get ready to set our watches and 12 months of construction, God is saying, God spoke it to me already through a man of God who had no idea where I was and what we were going through. He said, that there's going to be just enough grace every day. There's going to be just enough faith every day. But he said, just keep waiting on the Lord. For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait, I say, on the Lord. It may not be a time of bountiful blessings, and it may. I don't know. I'm not a calamity howler. All I know is the assurance of the Lord that there's going to be barrels with meal, and there are going to be cruises with oil. Amen. Help is going to be there every day. But it's not going to be forever. It's going to be until the rain. Hallelujah. I said, the rain's coming. I said, the rain's coming. The rain is coming. I like what the, how the Bible says it. The prophet said, it'll be until the rain. And he ate the cake, and he walked away. He said, oh, yeah, now what about that rain? I better go pray about that. He spoke it, and then he got to praying about it. Hallelujah. Amen. And he got to praying one time, two times, three, four, five, six Finally, the seventh time, there was only a cloud the size of a man's hand. But Elijah said, that's enough. And he girded up his, his uh, clothing around him, and he started running. He said, get out of here, boys. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And I'm going to tell you, there's coming a day when you're not going to have to go back to the cruise, and you're not going to have to go back to the barrel, and you're not just going to be eking out an existence. But I say that blessing is coming. Abundance is coming. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. So be faithful until the rain comes and God will do what only he can do if you will do what only you can do oh is there help in the house today I wish somebody helped me today hallelujah Woo. 
Jesus exercised the use of help on both ends of the Lazarus miracle. Only Jesus could say, Lazarus, come forth. But before he said that, he said, roll away the stone. And after the miracle, he said, loose him and let him go. Every miracle has the inclusion of the human element. When we do what only we can do, God does what only he can do. Can you say amen? God is a spirit. Spirit does not have flesh and bone. He's constantly looking for flesh and bone. God's looking for people that will partner with him. He looked for a man, the Bible said in Ezekiel 22:30, that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before him and for the land, that he should not destroy it, but he found none. God could not find any help in Ezekiel's day. Someone to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. And I want to tell you today, friends, that God is still looking for help. He's still looking for people to stand in the gap. That means to fill up the space between the wall. To make up the hedge. He needs somebody with skin on. He needs warm-blooded creatures that care about people, that care about souls, that care about his kingdom. So God helps people. And there's a lot of people that need help. But how does God choose who he is going to help? I believe God wants to help everybody. I remember my dad telling me the story of a barber who was uh, agnostic. And he was cutting the hair of a preacher. And the agnostic barber and the preacher were having a discussion about God. And the agnostic said, how can you preach about a God that allows all the hatred and the murder and the strife and all the killing and all the wars? How can you believe in a God that would allow all this trouble and pain and suffering? The preacher just you know, that's, that's a difficult question to answer. It has an answer, but it's not always easy. So the preacher thought about it, and about that time, here came a, an old street homeless person, came walking by the barber shop and was all disheveled and dirty and, and mat, hair was matted and looked very unkempt. And, and, and the preacher said, well, what kind of a barber are you? He said, what are you talking about? He said, well, you're not much of a barber. He said, what do you mean? I've been cutting your hair for years. You've never complained before. He said, well, how could you let that poor man out there walk like that and be unshaven and his hair all matted and doesn't look any good? He said, what are you talking about? If he'd come and sit in my barber's chair, I'd take care of him. And then it hit the agnostic barber. Exactly the point. And that God will help those who will reach out to him, who will begin to look to him for help. The Bible teaches a principle. Now, I'm going to give you the principle that's not in the Bible. Some people say, you know, the good book says the Lord helps them who help themselves. Well, maybe it's in Hezekiah, but it's not in the Bible. But the principle really is there. The book of Judges tells us that Israel had done evil in the sight of the Lord. 
And because of that, the Lord allowed them to be sold into slavery and bondage by a king named Jabin, J-A-B-I-N. He was the king of the Canaanites of that area. Jabin was most famous for his 900 chariots of iron. The name of his captain of his army was Sisera. And together with Jabin, Sisera had managed to keep Israel under suppression for 20 years. God was looking for somebody to help him, and he found somebody. This person was leading Israel at the time, and this person happened to be a prophet. This. A prophetess named Deborah. The scripture says that she held court under a palm tree and she settled disputes among the people. One day the Spirit of the Lord came to Deborah and she sent for a man named Barak. And here's what she said in Judges chapter 4, verse 6 The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go take you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead the way to Mount Tabor. Verse 7, I, meaning God, will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hand. That was the word that Deborah gave Barak. And Barak, the mighty, powerful, masculine man that he was, said, Deborah, I'll do it if you'll go with me. If you'll help me, Deborah. I'll do it. What a guy, right? So, Barak musters up all the courage that he can. He gets 10,000 men together. They go toward Mount Tabor, and they wait for the sure word of the Lord. And surely it came. Judges chapter 4, verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go! This is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down to Mount Tabor, followed by 10,000 men. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera abandoned his chariot and fled on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Hishbosheth, Hagioim. All the troops of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a man was left. I want you to get the picture. Here's Jabin and Sisera. They have 900 chariots of iron. That's like 900 army tanks. It's the equivalent of a tank in those days. They've got 900 chariots of iron, and they're barreling down on the children of Israel. And all of a sudden, there's all kinds of confusion in the weather patterns, in the weather system, and things are going on. And the chariots begin to bog down, and Sisera's chariot overturns. And he gets off the chariot, and he runs, and he finds refuge in a tent of a woman that he thought was on his side. But what he didn't know was that she had switched sides to get on the Lord's side. And so here comes Sisera, and he's huffing and puffing. And he says, oh, jail, would you please let me have a place to lay down? I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. She said, sure thing, sis. Come on in. She gets him a nice little place. He said, oh, just for a drink of water. The Bible said she gave him milk. That helps you sleep good. And so he drank down a glass of milk, and he just laid down, and he said, I'll just get me 40 winks, and he pulled the sheet up over his chest, and he's about ready to fall asleep. And just before he fell asleep, do you know what the last thing was that went through his mind? A tent stake. Amen. 
Jael, J-A-E-L, got, he was down on the ground. Can't you see her? She finds a tent stake, and she comes over, and she's trembling. She says, oh, my God, what am I doing? This is the captain of Jabin's army. He leads 900 chariots. And she positions it right strategically at the tip of his temple. And then, wham! The Bible said she fastened him to the ground. That's a powerful woman. Ladies, no offense. No offense. But I'm telling you, God was so desperate for help. And he couldn't get a man to stand in the gap. Amen. It's not that ladies have to take a back seat or anything. Uh, that's not the point. But I'm just saying that in the Bible, there are two things that symbolize weakness. And one is the left hand, the left hand. The right hand is power. The left hand is weakness. And the other is that because a man wouldn't stand up, God had to use a woman. The Bible said that she's the weaker vessel. But listen, there was two women, Deborah, Deborah and Jael, that were willing to stand in the gap. And listen what happened. Listen to what happened. Amen. Because these two women stood up. And they said, we are going to stand in the gap. If someone else won't do it, if my husband won't do it, if another man won't do it, if we can't get a Samson to rise up here, if we can't get a Gideon to rise up, somebody's got to rise up. God's people have been tormented and persecuted too long. They rose up and watched what happened. When these women activated their faith and they said, we're going to get on the Lord's side and we're going to help God, God began to send help from heaven. Amen. Amen. The Bible said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God began to activate all of the power of heaven. The Bible said in Judges chapter 5 verse 20, the stars began to fight against Sisera. God sent hailstorms and thunder against Sisera. God engaged the power of the heavens to come against those who had come against his people. God ordered angels of his heavenly host to come against him. The lightning flashed. The thunder clapped. The horses got confused. The Bible said that they were galloping, galloping until they broke their hooves, until the chariots tipped over. I'm telling you, friend, when you get on God's side and you activate your faith and you figure out exactly what it is that God wants to do, I'm telling you that help is going to come from heaven. We are serving a God, amen, that will activate the weather patterns. He will change the laws of nature. He will change the laws of physics. Whatever he's got to do, if he's got to stop this world from turning, if he's got to stop the earth from turning for one day so that Joshua can have victory over the enemies of God, whatever he's got to do, he will do it. If we will lift up our eyes unto the hills from whence cometh our help. I want to tell the life church, amen, that there are miracles ahead. I'm saying to you that there are miracles ahead. We are on a journey where there are miracles ahead. We've got miracles behind us. We've already got testimonies. We've already seen God's goodness. We've already seen God's blessing. I wish you'd get your, your faith in here right now. Get your spirit in here right now. There are miracles ahead. Amen. God is not helping us with our project. We are helping God with his project. We're not saying, God, come and help us out. We're trying to do this thing. No, we're trying to do what God wants us to do. And if we will do our part, God will do only what he can do. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. So who's on the Lord's side? 
Amen. Is there any help for God in the house today? I want to know who's on the Lord's side. Come on, shake your hand at me or something. Who's on the Lord's side? I'm telling you, there are miracles ahead. There are wonders ahead. There are signs ahead. We will have mile markers where there will be miracles and conversions and provisions. And God is going to send his heavenly host before us. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I don't like to be negative, but the Bible says that God had a problem with a city called Meros because they would not help the Lord against the mighty. It's talking about the Deborah and Barak and Jael story. That's what it's referring to. God had able-bodied people everywhere. There was a large city called Meros that had resources, that had power, that had influence, that could have rose up and defended the people of God, but they just sat back idly. They wouldn't get involved. And the Lord said, I've got a problem with that because they didn't help me get my plan done. And the Bible said that they were cursed. He said, curse its inhabitants bitterly. Isn't that something? Curse them. Listen to this. Not only was Miro sitting on the sideline, it's in your Bible, Judges 5, verse 16. He talked to some of the tribes of Judah. He said, why did you stay among the campfires? There were some of the children of Israel that knew that Deborah and Barak had been activated and they were trying to come against the enemies of God. And there were some that were just sit around the campfire. Join the campfire, girls. What the, well, the Bible doesn't say campfire girls, but it says campfires. He said, why do you stay among the campfires? To listen to the whistling for the flocks? This was a reference to the flutes that were played by the shepherds to call the sheep. Why are you sitting around the campfires and you're just listening to the flutes as they play? Oh, isn't that beautiful music? And over here, there's a battle going on. There's a storm that's raging, and God is fighting. Amen. God's throwing all the weight and the support of heaven, and he's trying to, to, to win a victory for the people of God, and all he can get is two women and a milk toast man. But it was enough. But God said, why Zebulun, Naphtali, why couldn't you get with the program? Amen. In the districts of Reuben, the Bible said, there was much searching of the heart. Should we get involved? Shouldn't we get involved? What should we do? No, I don't know if we should do that. There was much searching of the heart among the districts of Reuben, but there was no action. Verse 17, Gilead stayed beyond Jordan. They just stayed out of it. Say, well, it's not my battle. It's not my problem. I'm just going to stay out of it. And, and Dan, why did he linger by the ships? Well, somebody's got to take care of these babies. Somebody's got to watch them. The tide is constantly ebbing and flowing. Somebody's got to take care of the boats. And Asher remained on the coast and stayed in the coves. Oh. oh, listen, friend. God is looking for help. Help. He needs prayer help. He needs vision help. He needs faith help. I'm telling you that there are miracles ahead. God, God in this miracle of deliverance. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show it to you. The Bible talks about the river Kishon. And this is gonna be my last point and I'm done for, the, for you clock watchers. The Bible talks about the river Kishon. And it calls it an ancient 
River. I studied it out. Scholars believe that this river is called the ancient river because in the counsel of God, this river had been created for one purpose. The river Kishon had been strategically dug with the finger of God for one purpose, and that purpose for, was for one day in history when Jael and Deborah and Barak needed conclusive victory. The chariots had tipped top toppled over. The horses' hooves had broken down, but there were men who were escaping, and their only route of escape was across the Kishon River. But guess what? God had backed up these people with all of the forces of nature, and the hail was coming, and the wind was blowing, and the lightning was flashing, and the thunder was clapping, and the rain was coming down, and the waters of the Kishon River began to swell, and as these men who knew the river well, they knew the low places, they knew the places where they could escape and slip away, God had caused that river to swell until the current was so strong and the undertow was so powerful that everyone that was not defeated in the storm was drowned in the river. And God had built the river, scholars say, for that one event in time. And I am telling this church under the fear of God and the anointing of the Holy Ghost that there are events that have been planned for our lives. There are miracles that God has already set in motion that maybe have been waiting for the one day that we're going to need it, for the one time when we're going to need a miracle. God's got people in place. God's got resources in place. God's got anointing in place. God's got power in place. And when we need it, it's going to be there. It will be the provision of God. It will be the help of the Lord. Oh, I will lift up my eyes to the hills, to where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. Listen, some of us have been looking in the wrong places for help. We've been looking to some people for help. They've never helped us. They've never helped us. If anything, they've hurt us, discouraged us, and we keep going back to them, and we, keep, and we go to places to, to medicate our pain, and, and we look for drugs, and we look to alcohol, and we look to illicit relationships, and we look to things that we think are going to help us. Listen, friend, insanity is to do what you've done and expect a different result. It's time to lift up your eyes to the hills. From whence cometh your help. Lift your eyes up a little bit higher. Get your eyes up off of man. Get your eyes off of some system. And lift up your eyes to the hills. Oh, hallelujah. My help. My help. My help. All of my help. Cometh from the Lord. Sing it with me. My help, my help, my help, all of my help cometh from the Lord, stand and sing it again, my help, my help, my help, 
All of my help cometh from the Lord. Let's praise the God where our help comes from. Let's worship the God where my help comes from. I'm telling you there's help in this house today. There's help in this house today. He's come to help you. He's come to help you. You've done all you can do. Amen. Now just stand there and let him help you. Amen. When you've done all to stand, then stand. And that's when your help is going to come. Come on, stand for the truth. Stand for what is right. Stand for what you believe in. Oh, yes, there's help in this house right now. Amen. There's help from heaven in this house today. Oh, Lord, you're my helper. The Lord is my, my teacher. The Lord is my guide. My help comes from the Lord, the God who has made heaven and earth. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, there's help in this house today. There's help here. God's here to help somebody, and somebody's here to help God. Say, so, well, what am, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do to help God? You know what? You already know what to do. The word is nigh you even in your mouth. You already know what to do to help God. Most of us are educated way beyond our level of obedience. We know what to do to help God. That's to get our lives in obedience to the word of God. That's to get on our knees until God speaks to us in prayer. Amen. Amen. To do the thing that pleases God. Say, what do I do if I don't know what to do? Do justly. Be honest. Be righteous. Be just. Love mercy. Give people mercy. Give people time. Thank God you're not like them. And pray for their weaknesses. Love mercy. Walk humbly before your God. Amen. That's helping God. That's helping His kingdom. Give, seek, ask, knock, pursue the plan and the will of God. I believe there's help at this altar today. I, I really believe. I, I really believe. I, I'm in the Word of God today. I believe that God is going to support somebody here today. And the laws of nature are going to be broken for you. The laws of physics are going to be broken. The laws of medicine are going to be broken. Because you have helped the Lord or you will help the Lord and He will assimilate all of the power of heaven to back you up. I'm not backing down from that. Amen. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God of the Bible. I remember one time in my home church, it was a, a large church of, I don't know, a few hundred people, and there was three or four hundred Bible college students, and most of them were from the south, and it was in the dead of winter. And there had been 30 days of below zero Fahrenheit temperatures in a row. 
and students that had never seen snow and had never been below freezing in their life were getting discouraged. Talk about the dog days of summer. It was the dog buzzard days of winter. And I'll never forget S.G. Norris, my pastor, the president of the school. He called a solemn assembly and he said, we're going to pray that God will send the sunshine and that God will send the heat of the day. 30 days, there was no forecast in sight to break the temperature. But I'll never forget, we called on God. The next day, it got to 20 degrees, and the next day, it got over freezing. Now, you can say what you want to say, but I'm going to tell you that there were young people that were studying for ministry. Today, some of them are missionaries. Today, some of them are pastors. Today, some of them are evangelists. Today, some of them have raised children and grandchildren are coming up that are being raised in the truth. I'm telling you, friend, that when you help God, when you get on God's side and you want to see something done for the kingdom of God, God will break the laws that he has set in motion. Whatever he's got to do, his hat is in the ring. If you're hats in the ring. Amen. If you won't throw in the towel, he won't throw in the towel. Amen. Do what you've got to do to get on God's side. Oh, there's help in the house. Amen. If you need help from God or if you want to help God, I want you to come forward right now. If you need help from the Lord or you want to help the Lord, it doesn't matter. There's help in this house today. There's help in this house. I want you to come forward. Let's get in the presence of God for a few moments. Let's see what God will do. Let's see what God will do right now. Come on. Come hungry. Come anxious. Come with a zeal. Come with a purpose. Let's get in the presence of God. Say, God, I'm going to help you. Or, Lord, I need help. I'm going to help you, Lord. Or, or I need help. Whatever it is, begin to pour it out to the Lord. Come on. Let your voice out. There's help in this house. <laughs> There's help in this house today. Oh, there's help in this house today. I'm saying to you that your help will come from the Lord, the God who has made heaven and earth. Tell him your trouble. Tell him your problem. Tell him your heartache. Tell him your burden. Tell him what makes you cry. Tell him what's been waking you up in the night. That's right, there's help here today. There's help here today. God's going to help somebody so much today, you're going to be helping somebody else before you get out of this building. Come on, let's get in His presence right now. Come on, let's pursue His presence for a few moments right now. Oh, Lord, God, Lord, we've come to be a help tonight. We've come to be a help in this house. And we've come to be helped, Lord. In the name of Jesus. I come against all manner of disease and sickness. I come against, Lord, the devourer and tormenting spirits that would try to discourage our families and our children. Lord, I'm asking you to send help in the heavenlies. Lord God, we bind every principality and power and the rulers of the darkness of this world. And we come against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we send back the darkness with the light of the truth, with the light of the gospel, with the light of our lives. We send it back to where it came from. We drive back the darkness with the light of the word of God. We send back the darkness. We know that there's help today. We know that there's help in the house of the Lord. We know that there's help in the presence of God. Come on, this is what David was talking about. 
This is what he was talking about when he said, I'm going to lift up my eyes to the hills. He's really talking about the presence of God. Let's get in the presence of God right now. Let's pursue him. Let's pursue him. That's right. Something's moving in this house right now. Something's moving in this place right now. I lift up my eyes. I lift up my eyes. I'm getting my eyes off my problem. I'm getting my eyes off my storm. I'm getting my eyes off my enemy. And I'm going to lift my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, the God who has made heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Devil, you don't want to fight against a church. You don't want to fight against a family. You don't want to fight against a child or a young person that has their help from the Lord because we're going to pull your wheels off your chariots. We're going to break the hooves of your horses. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.